Welcome back to the College Basketball Tip-Off, March Madness edition number three. Alongside me, Anthony Craven, I'm Cody Blazak, and March is already insane. It's been, brackets are busted like no tomorrow. I don't even think I have, but like a team left in my bracket. Um, We should have expected a year like this with March Madness with the year we've had with COVID and everything, but I didn't think it would be this crazy. I don't think anyone did. Who would have thought in the Sweet 16, the conference with the most teams is the Pac-12? I don't By think far, the most teams left. Bill Walton is the only person that probably <laughs> predicted that. Conference of champions! <laughs> but uh, The Beavers! We're going to try and go through the second round games, the results of that, the biggest shock to us, and I'm sure the biggest shock to everyone is probably Oral Roberts making it into the Sweet 16. Um, and then with our weekend edition show, we're going to preview the Sweet 16 games. But uh, to get started, we'll start with we'll start with the most surprising team, Oral Roberts defeating Florida. I still am not sure how Oral Roberts beat Ohio State to begin with. Right. And then they were down against Florida most of that game yeah. until the last couple of minutes, and they were just like, we're going to go to the Sweet 16 after we beat Ohio State, and now we're going to beat Florida, and we're going to be the story of the year for college basketball. And that's the case. And I just don't even know what to think about this team right now. They are now only the second team ever to be a 15 seed and make it this far. Florida Gulf Coast did it eight years ago. Dunk and, City. And now here's Oral Roberts with the opposite of Dunk City. It's 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 we're gonna sit back and just jack up threes all day long. And usually when you see a fifteen upset a two, and it's only happened now nine times ever. So what so what you saw with Oral Roberts and in, in Ohio State on Friday, that's only the ninth time that's ever happened. And usually when it happens, in the next round, the, the 15 seed comes comes back down to earth, and they almost always lose, and it's usually by a lot. They, they, they usually get routed. And for Oral Roberts to be down by 13, second half, to Florida. Granted, Florida, not nearly as good as, as Ohio State, but still, a good team. And, and for Oral Roberts to come back and to... And to win the way they did, they've now won back-to-back games in incredibly dramatic fashion, withstanding runs from Ohio State and Florida down the stretch. They've gotten it done with some ferocious defense down the stretch. And then they've got a point guard in Asmus, which if you would have told me before the tourney began that that's how his name's pronounced, I would have said... <laughs> what are you joking? How is his name pronounced Asmus? But it is apparently. You know, you got Asmus over there, who looks like the best point guard in the tournament right now. Uh, and then you got a couple of Fords who kind of have like an old man game. And you know, I mean, and I mean that in a good way, right? I mean, they, you know, they they just put up some, you know, they're they're banking in twelve foot jump shots on purpose. You know, from the from the circle or, or, or from the from the edge of the square on the backboard. You know, they just have like an like you know an a, an old school kind of game, and and they they are getting it done. And it's one of the best runs we've seen from a double digit seed in the history 
of of, his, of, um, of the NCAA tournament. Incredible story, and it's going to continue to be incredible. They're going to play Arkansas in the Sweet 16, and Arkansas just defeated Texas Tech in a thriller of oh, a game. Man, what a game. Arkansas led most of the second half, and Texas Tech didn't come back all at once until about like five or six minutes left, and they made it like a two-point two game, made it really interesting. And Arkansas ended up winning only by two in that game. But Texas Tech made a run to come back. And I I, I had Texas Tech winning one of my brackets that obviously isn't going to happen. Thing. Yeah, one yeah. Of, <laughs> the whole thing. And, I mean, they went out of second round. But Arkansas was a team I was not very confident in going into the tournament just because of the SEC tournament more than anything. And they came out and they struggled against Colgate in that first round in mm-hmm. the first half. And they ended up winning pretty convincingly. And they held their ground with Texas Tech, and they're going to play what looks... On paper, Arkansas should whoop them and advance to the Elite Eight. I don't know if that will happen. It's March. Anything can, can, excuse me, can happen. <laughs> right. But the effort they put up against Texas Tech, I was impressed with. Um just all around, they're looking better as a team. It doesn't look like any individual is trying to go out there and do it, which might be an issue down the line because in March, usually one player can get a team back in the game. Uh, last night, Kansas played USC. None of the players played well, and they didn't have anyone to give them a spark. We'll get to that game later. But if Arkansas doesn't have like someone... I don't care who it is, if it's a bench player or a starter, if they don't have someone start showing up individually and making, like, a name, I don't think they're going to advance much further. Well, they, yeah, when you start looking ahead at what Arkansas, I mean, it's almost, it's not guaranteed, obviously, but more than likely, they're going to run into you know, to um, Baylor. And, and, yeah, that's where, when you look at Arkansas, I agree with you. They're going to have to have someone step up and have a 25-point game, right, or an 18-point, 13-rebound, four-block kind of game from a big in order to beat Baylor. Uh, With Arkansas' style, someone has to have a special night for them to get to a Final Four. But give them credit. They have done, in a tournament where we've seen craziness from day one, Arkansas, one of a few teams that has gone out there and done exactly what they're supposed to do. They have gone out there and made the plays they're supposed to make to win the ball game. Have they played great in either of the first two games? No. I w- and I think Eric Musselman would agree with that. They have not played their best ball, but they've gone out there and done exactly what you're supposed to do. They have not panicked. They hadn't freaked out when Colgate was up, what, 15 on them in the first half. They didn't freak out when... Texas Tech made that huge run, and, and I thought Arkansas was gone. I mean, I thought Arkansas, I was, I was like, this is what Texas Tech did two years ago in the run of the Final Four. They're, they're doing it now, and Arkansas, to their credit, made some great defensive plays down the stretch in the last two minutes and won that ball game. This is the best Arkansas team I've seen in, in, in over 25 years, and they got a, a golden opportunity here. Against Oral Roberts, a team they beat during during the regular season. 
Granted, it was back in November or December, but they beat them by 11 in Fayetteville. So it was not a blowout. Oral Roberts was was showing you even then that they were a, a pretty good team. So a rematch here of two teams who play each other almost annually because uh, Tulsa and Fayetteville, not that far apart for, from each other. And, and, they, and so they play each other on an almost yearly basis. So so two teams very familiar with one another. Uh, there, there are players from, from Oklahoma on Arkansas's team, players from Arkansas on Oral Roberts' team, that kind of a matchup. So uh, I should be very entertaining, but Arkansas should win. This is... This will be the best team that Oral Roberts has played in the tournament so far. I, mean, I think Arkansas is clearly better than Florida. And I think Arkansas is better. Than, you know, I think Arkansas was playing better than Ohio State coming into the tournament. At the uh, at the top of the South region, we had Baylor play Wisconsin in the second round, which Baylor took pretty good advantage over them. Uh, Baylor is. I mean, they're just a good team. Oh, yeah, they've yeah. got they've got and they're healthy now. Yes. Yeah, they're done with that COVID and everything. Baylor is a team that is a good, like a good team that plays together with everybody, but they also have standout stars. Macy Oteague is incredible. Um, Davion Mitchell is also incredible. They have big names, but they also know how to share the ball instead of just try and shine and make the big play. They don't have an issue with passing the ball and letting someone else make a big play, which in the tournament you need both, and this team has both of those things. Wisconsin beat UNC, and I mean... Destroyed them. Yeah, really beat down on them. Real quick while we're on UNC, this is the first Sweet 16 since 79 that hasn't featured uh, Coach Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, John Calipari, and... Oh my, there's one other one I'm missing. Another blue blood. Bill Self? Bill Self. First one since 79. Anyway. Wisconsin... Madness! <laughs> Baylor just... They look like they've got everything yeah. going together right now, and they look like it could be an easy run, especially with the way this South region is matching out. It looks like it might be a very easy road to the Final Four. I mean, obviously, Ohio State gone and Purdue gone. So two highly ranked Big Ten teams who we thought were going to be the two stiffest competitors, along with Arkansas, for Baylor in this region. Two of those three already gone. Uh, so Baylor is going to have a fight with Villanova. I mean, I think Villanova is underseeded as a five. Villanova, a team that throughout most of the season was was a, a top ten team, and then they have an injury to one of their leaders at the end of the season. They struggle in the conference tournament and they get bumped down a couple of pegs to a five seed. They are they are much better than a five seed, and they have looked really good in the first two rounds. I mean, no drama at all in Nova's first two ball games. They're a battle tested group. It's a coaching staff that's been there and done that. Three Final Fours, two national championships. So it's going to be very difficult for Baylor to get past Villanova. And then more than likely, they're going to play Arkansas. But you're right. They were the clear-cut favorites in the South region to begin with. And for and for good reason. Because when they were healthy, they, along with Gonzaga, looked like the two best teams in the country 
for most of the season. And as wild and as unpredictable as this turning has been so far, it does look like we're headed for a one-versus-two matchup in the championship game because Gonzaga and Baylor have looked like the clear two best teams in this tournament so far. It's very possible. The way March goes, you never know. So I- Right. It, a long way to go, and, and Baylor does have two difficult games on the horizon. Nova will be a stiff challenge, and then Arkansas, as well as the Hogs have been playing down the stretch, will be very difficult for Baylor, assuming Arkansas is able to end the run of Oral Roberts. And I'm not picking that because we've seen what Oral Roberts has done the first two rounds. We're going to move on to the Midwest region now, and we're going to start with the team that I have a huge crush on right now, the Syracuse Orange. I, just, I am... I had them winning one of my brackets. You know, If I would have submitted this bracket anywhere, it wouldn't have been one that I'm betting on. This is just something where I'm like, I have a little bit of hope, but I, I, I don't have enough hope that I'm going to put money on it. Out of all four brackets I made, Syracuse is the only team that I have left remaining, so... I don't know what I was thinking there, but they are, Buddy Bayheim has put up incredible numbers through the first two games of the tournament. They beat a San Diego State team, which I thought Syracuse was convincingly better than, despite the seeding, but West Virginia is a, they've been a great team all year, and Syracuse went in and dominated them from the start. The, the final score ended up being a little closer than you would have liked it to be. But they dominated that game. They led by 10 most of that game. And when Buddy Beheim doesn't have the ball, someone else has the ball, and they're scoring because Buddy Beheim is just so dominant on all parts of the floor. He can shoot it deep. He can drive. He can get in the post. That Syracuse team is a team that I'm still watching I've got a big crush on them right now, so I, <laughs> I, I I would love to see them be, I believe they would be the first 11 seed ever to win the tournament if it were to happen. It probably won't happen, but, I mean, we've still got a 12 seed left, a 15 seed left, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, 25% of the teams remaining are double-digit seeds, which is very unusual to have four of them still remaining here in uh, the the second weekend, the sweet, the, uh, the the uh, Sweet 16, or the or the surprising 16, or the stunning 16, whatever you want to call it, this year it's been such a an an odd and exciting tournament. I thought Syracuse's upset over over uh, West Virginia and the way they did it was one of the most surprising results of the entire first weekend. Uh, I think when folks look at the name Syracuse. They think, oh, okay, oh well, yeah, not, not, not that surprising. The way Syracuse's season has gone, and as good as the Mountaineers have been this year, that was a stunning development. The fact that they controlled that game for for much of that game. I mean, West Virginia made a great run late to make things very, very tight and had a chance to win it, and Syracuse found a way to win. So we've seen Syracuse now in the postseason grind out a victory with defense. And now we've seen them win a fairly high-scoring game, and and outshoot a team, and win and win a ball game with offense. A very good team, a top ten West Virginia team. Syracuse, you know, it's it's that Bayheim magic, and they got two Bayheims to deal with. So cool story. I mean, neat story that that buddy Bayheim 
as a senior, uh, and Syracuse has, has not been great during his time there playing for his dad. And for them to have a a resurgence here late in the year, and we all you know we all kind of saw this coming, right? Because they ended the regular season playing their best basketball of the year, looked really good in the ACC tournament, lost a heartbreaker at the buzzer to Virginia, who was one of the best teams in the ACC. And so people were saying, okay, you know, don't, don't, you know, if there is going to be kind of a dark horse team that makes a run, Syracuse could be one of those dark horse teams. And here they are, two wins away from a um, yet another Final Four uh, for Jim Beheim. If, but, but, it's a huge but, they have to get past Houston. And what a great story this is for Houston to be back again. This is the second time now that Kelvin Sampson has guided the Cougars to a Sweet 16 berth. And when you look at that program, when he when he took it over, what he's done there in Houston to essentially bring them back to where they were 40 years ago as a program is remarkable. I mean, that, I mean that, that's a program that was dead in the water that folks had written off and said, no, they will never be competitive. Not, not, n- not good. They won't be competitive ever again. And Kelvin Sampson got there. And listen, folks have given up on, on Kelvin Sampson, too. I mean, he got Indiana put on probation, I think, twice and, uh, and got fired, and, and, and rightfully so. And here he is, a great X's and O's coach. He was great at Oklahoma. Uh, he left you know, to go to Indiana and um, made some mistakes there. And I hear he is. So it, it, it's a great story, I think, what, what Houston has done if they're able to get back to a Final Four for the first time since the Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon days, what a cool story that would be! Great, great coaching matchup in in that game, uh, Samson and, uh, and 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 Beheim. A a classic uh, get off my lawn, angry old man matchup, and I can't wait for it. They aren't feisty on pajama, but they are good this year. They uh they almost slipped to Rutgers though. Oh man, what a good game in that second round game. Heartbreaking for Rutgers. Heartbreaking. They didn't have the legs, though. It's as simple as that. They were up by close to double digits most of the game. And down the stretch, they just didn't have the legs. And ultimately, that's why they lost that game. Another interesting story. I don't even know if it's interesting or the Pac-12 is just really underrated. Oregon State is in a 12 seed. Oregon State is in the Midwest Sweet 16. They beat... Oklahoma State, uh, pretty convincingly as well, and the Beavers are just, they're on a roll. They won the Pac-12 tournament, now they're in the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament, and they're going to face another incredible story in Loyola, Chicago, who defeated number one, Illinois, and I know most people, or I don't want to say most people, but there were a lot of people that predicted Illinois would be in the Final Four, Mm -hmm. and they lost in the second round to Loyola, Chicago. Sister Jean is getting them some wins. Amazing. She is she's she's their lucky charm right now. I mean, they're a good team. It's not just yeah. all her, but you know her being at these games gives the kids on the Loyal Chicago team just a bigger incentive. Well, and this is actually a better team than the one that they had three years ago that went to the Final Four. And this is a Loyola team that dominated the Missouri Valley Conference and spent almost the entire season ranked in the top 25. So if you would have told me, pre, you know, pre-tournament, 
or or even before the pairings came out, before the bracket was unveiled, if you would have told me Loyola is going to be in the round of 16, I would have said, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. But once the brackets came out and you saw that they were paired with, with Illinois, then it became a huge shock that they were able to beat Illinois and to beat them the way they did. Not you know a flukish game where the Ramblers make 12 threes. You know, just, just, I mean, they just, you know, in many ways, beat Illinois at their own game. Uh, and uh, so hats off to Illinois. And I mean, I mean, hats off to Loyola, Chicago. Here they are again, three years later. I mean, almost a carbon copy of their runs of the Final Four in, in 2018. If they can duplicate it, I mean, what that does for that program going forward uh, could be monumental. Absolutely crazy. And they're going to play Oregon State. And if they win that game, they're going to play Syracuse or Houston. The Midwest region is really just open for the taking from any of the four teams. There isn't like – with the South and the West, you can probably say that Baylor and Gonzaga are probably going to win that. And even the East, Michigan has a pretty good chance. I mean mean, either Michigan or Alabama. Right. It's it's hard to see a big surprise team – coming out of any of those other three regions in the midwest it's really just it's up for the taking yeah i mean it's it's houston's to lose it is essentially we'll move on to let's we'll go to the east region we'll start with alabama (laughs) alabama's not a football school anymore they were an all sports school what this is except baseball (laughs) they beat up they beat, they beat Arkansas once. Over the weekend. Yeah, so, yeah beat them once. Anyway, they played <laughs> both of the, their games, the first and second round games actually, were very close up until the second half where the Maryland game wasn't so much super close, but it, yeah. it was contested yeah. there for a little while. But the Iona game was close up until the last 10 minutes or so, and then... I'm not even sure it's Alabama is so much better than all these teams, but they are so much smarter. Yeah, they, it's I mean, they they. I'm sorry, I, I, I cut you off there. Were you finished good. with your thought? Go ahead, go ahead. No, good. no, they they are very well coached, and they're an older team. And listen, us here in in the SEC, we, we've seen it now since January when conference play started and when things began to click for Bama defensively. We've seen just how consistently good they are. They, they, they do not beat themselves. They don't turn it over a ton. They don't commit silly fouls. They play great team defense. And, and again, the, the storyline coming out of last night is going to be, oh man, Bama and the three, and the, and the, and the, the three point shooting. Okay. Listen, in terms of three pointers made, yes. They are a very good three-point shooting team. In terms of shooting percentage, they are not a very good shooting team. What happened last night, though, is a great example of when Bama hits their shots, they are as good as anybody in the country. What makes Bama go, though, is what you saw in round one when they beat Iona 68-55. That looked like most of Bama's conference games this year. They won it with defense and rebounding. And they made just enough shots to win the ball game. So, I mean, I, I said it going, going into the uh, tournament that, I mean, I thought, 
I'm on record saying I thought Bama should have been the fourth n- number one seed and not Illinois, but I understood why the committee put Illinois in there. Once, because it was full body of work, right? But since January, since conference play started, I mean, outside of Gonzaga and Baylor, Bama has been the best team in the country outside of those two teams, in my opinion, since conference play started. I think we're headed for a, a Michigan-Bama Elite Eight game, and it's going to be fantastic. And you just touched on Alabama's rebounding. With them taking so many three-pointers, and they, yeah, they make a lot because they take so many, but they have all of those long rebounds. And every, yeah. when you go for a rebound, you go up at the rim. You don't expect it to bounce back out to the three-point line, but when you're taking threes every other shot, that's how they get their second-chance points. Yep. And then ultimately, that's what wins them games. Down the stretch, Herb Jones is starting to come alive. At least he did against Iona. John Petty played well last night. Jaden yeah. Shackelford played well last night. Down the stretch, though, who I think has been absolutely incredible since they played Mississippi State in the regular season at Mississippi State. Javon Quinterly yeah. is the heart and soul. He is just sneaky good. He's the X factor. Yes. Yeah. He had eleven. He had a double-double last night. 11 assists, 14 points, and he shoots threes and he makes them, but it's when he gets to the rim is when he is so dangerous. And he was the, I believe he was the MVP for the SEC championship or SEC tournament, and he came off of the bench. Yeah, that's, I mean, Bama's got the conference player of the year in Herb Jones. They've got a great veteran leader in John Petty, and they have the X factor off the bench in in Quinterly. And 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 I'm with you. And and what Quinterly does is what John Petty. And Herb Jones can't do. John Petty and Herb Jones cannot create their own shot. Um, as good as they've been this year, that you know they can't create their own shot. Quinterly is the only Bama player that can consistently take a defender off the dribble, get to the rim, finish at the rim, and create his own shot. And he's also a really good passer. And he understands his role. He accepts his role. And kudos to, to uh, Nate Oates. I mean, what what Bama is a, a great example. Are they a great? I mean, are they just like you know abundantly talented? No, they're not. But they, it's a great example of guys buying into a certain style and a coaching staff understanding individuals' roles and coaching them, and those and those individuals understanding those roles and following their coaching. And um, I mean, I think. Bama UCLA is going to be a very, very good game coming up on. Uh, is that Thursday or I mean, I mean, is that, is that uh, Saturday? No, Sunday. Sunday the is when Bama and UCLA play. We got about two minutes left. Real quick, I'm just going to run through the other teams and then we'll decide a team to talk about for the last 90 seconds. But in the rest of the East, we're going to have a Florida State matchup with Michigan. Great, great matchup. Uh, in the West. Oregon and USC, and the top of the West will be Creighton-Gonzaga. One last team we'll go through. Which one do you want to make it? Uh, let's talk about Gonzaga, because they are the number one team in the country, and they are starting to look like that they might be unbeatable. Kenny Smith said the other day, after they beat Oklahoma, that their second team, their bench players, all five of them, if you just took them, they would have been able to make this tournament. Right, as, as an at-large team. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's Oklahoma, certainly starting to look like that. Oklahoma played really well against Gonzaga, and Gonzaga still won comfortably. And I, Oklahoma came off hot like they needed to. They hit four threes <laughs> to start the game. And they still couldn't – if a team hits four threes at the beginning of a game, you're usually going to be pretty confident. And they still couldn't keep – I mean, they lost by 16 points. Yeah. So it, it should be – especially the way the West looks, it should be easy cruising for Gonzaga to the Final Four at least. I, who, who's competition for yeah. them in the West? I mean, two and three and four in, the, in that region are all gone. They're all gone. Uh, I think Gonzaga and USC are going to end up in the Elite Eight. And the way USC played last night, that might be a great game. It is very possible. They're going to face up with Oregon, who is also – they only played one game, but they looked hot against Iowa. Anyway, we'll talk to you Saturday with more in-depth matchups. Alongside me, Anthony Craven, I'm Cody Blazak. We'll talk to you Sweet 16.